Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in New York City, New York, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results. Welcome to another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Payton, Holly Payton here with you from New York City, and we have with us Mr. James Gilchrist. He's a learning program manager for a major financial institution in the neighborhood. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much. And we also have Malou, Malou Schloss. You decided to join us for this one. Hello. How are you? That seems like the last time we saw you, we were out on the road doing remote broadcast kind of stuff. ASTD. So this is going to be fun. Uh, brought uh, Holly Payton, and that's, uh, that's no coincidence. Yes, it's the same Payton as Stone Payton, my roommate of some 25 years. Uh, but she has pedigree. Uh, <laughs> you're like the grand poobah of global change or something for IBM when you're not out having fun with us. So you know a thing or two about this arena, right? I do. I, I very much like the human capital management arena, especially learning. And uh, you couldn't wait to come have conversations with all these learning leaders. And I understand you've got a question or two for James, and I may have uh, one or two as, as well. Absolutely. So just right out, of the, right out of the box, James, I got to know, what got you started in this field? Because I have a feeling you have quite a number of diverse interests, uh, even beyond <laughs> learning and development. What got you started here, though? Um, well, I, it was an accident. Uh, I, I basically fell into um, an opportunity to uh, apply for a training manager position at a small payroll company. Um, and uh, at the time, I was, uh, I was a recent graduate of the National Shakespeare Conservatory. Uh, I had a band, and you know, I was just looking to make ends meet. Um, so that's really how I got my first taste of it. Uh, I, 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 they hired me for one job. About a week after they hired me, I walked in and said, I saw you have this posting for this manager position, and I'm really interested in it. And about 20 minutes later, the HR person in charge of HR uh, held up her hand and said, uh, James, we'd kind of like to see how you're going to do with the job we just hired you to do, <laughs> <laughs> but feel free to come back in six months and, you know, if you're still interested. And uh, I did, and, uh, and they hired me then. So uh, I had a wonderful opportunity to start uh, figuring out how to design a training program, uh, how to deliver. Uh, at the time, it was really exciting. It was uh, payroll, uh, and payroll tax and accounting. Oh yeah, riveting. Riveting stuff, <laughs> right. you know. So right out of the gate, I had to figure out a way to make it in engaging. Right. You know. So so your your paper, your bio talks about technical training. Uh huh. Do you spend the majority of your time working in technical training versus other types of training? Um, I would say it's hard to pin down a one area that I spend most of my time. Um, I will say that uh, for the the company that I work for. Uh, has uh, customers uh, across the you know full range of the financial industry um, that are, for the most part, looking for uh, business training and uh, systems training. Okay. Um, so in within that context, I'm creating solutions uh, to serve their needs. Um, but in the time that I've spent in this line of work, um, you know, there have been a lot of lines that get blurred and you know domains that get crossed. Right. So I spend uh, an equal amount of time these days uh, acting as sort of a, uh, a learning consultant uh, within my own company, uh, talking to people about how to better uh, pitch their own communications, 
um, giving them insights into the, the, the value of uh, sort of an MMO approach to uh, communication. So I thought it was interesting. You used the word solutions. Mm-hmm. And, and when you talk about solutions, what are, when people think training, they think classroom or, or a they web might. conference or something. So when you talk about solutions, what all might go into a solution for, for training? That's a great question. Um, I think for me, a solution is anything that provides a learner um, with the motive, means, and opportunity for change and change in a way that's going to help them. Um, so that solution may take on, you know, it may have many different forms. Um, as an example, I think it's really important often to bear in mind that most people want to learn what they want to learn as fast as they can learn it and immediately get to applying it. Uh, so it's important to think of a solution as the thing that's going to give them that ability to learn very quickly. Um, at the same, but at the same time, uh, there are instances when someone is going to uh, have a new job responsibility and or take on a very important function, and especially in the financial industry, you know, there's a lot of money on the line, uh, and in which case uh, they may need some some custom uh, learning. So your example of stand-up classroom training, it may not be stand-up classroom training that they need, but they might need a personal handoff. You know, they might need some content that's been created just for them, talks about what their needs are, aligns it with their systems, and then gives them the opportunity to ask questions of a, you know, a living human being. Right. As opposed to the dead kind, which, you know, (laughs) could be how I feel before 11 a.m., but... I, uh, I have a question for, for both of you, but I want to ask James first. Do you ever feel like either of you, like you're serving two masters? Because don't you have like the client, but you have the learner, but the learner's kind of a client? Uh, speak yeah. to that a little bit, if you would. That's a, thank you very much. That's a great opportunity as well. Um, I think it's very important in, in um, especially, I, would, I start to say if you're working in a corporate environment, um, you are going to find yourself in that position quite a bit. But no matter where you are in the field, you may be a learning entrepreneur, you may fancy yourself a learning guru, you may be an independent contractor, or you may be working as part of a ginormous learning and development area within a company. Um, but you're always going to have two or maybe three or maybe four masters, you know. Um, and how do I distinguish between them? Well, um, it may be that I'm talking to a client who has their own customers. So I have to negotiate with the client in order to gain the information that was going to help me help them help their customers, <laughs> right? Sounds like a house of mirrors. It is, it, is, it often is. Um, and, and, I think, and I think it's very important as a learning professional to stay on top of ways in which you can get that direct customer feedback because um, they may not, you know, before you walked in this client's office, they, that customer wasn't your customer, but as soon as you do, they are. And so now it's up to you to show your client that you have an understanding of their customers. And that's the learner, you know. And the same principles apply to learning no matter who you are or what you're trying to learn. So if you can effectively have that conversation with your client, then you're well on your way. And you get that in the field as well, Holly? Uh, I do. And and when I think about it, um, I think about it as uh, uh, in terms of budget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're your constituent, your client, is always your end user, your your learner that you're trying to reach and help and enable and help them change. But what governs the solution 
is often what's the budget what's the timeline how quickly does something need to get put in place and and that's when you need to be creative to figure out how can i get the best for the learner and still meet the other requirements now what about further up in the cycle do you james get a chance to to play an active role in deciding what the, the content what what problems you're going to try to solve or does that often just get kind of handed to you or both um well, I try to be careful when I think of uh, deciding what problem it is that needs to be solved um, because what problem needs to be solved is always a product of the customer needs. So it's always very important to remember um, that without that uh, analysis, uh, however, whatever form it takes, but without that analysis, any work you set out to do is potentially missing the mark. So. Um, and, and I will say that when you are, when you're in that, uh, negotiation with the client, uh, sometimes that negotiation might, uh, focus on whatever they perceive are their biggest, uh, limitations or requirements. It might be budget. It might be time. There are a lot of factors. Um, it's very important to get the conversation focused on what is actually going to enable their customers to, uh, succeed. Okay. Um, and usually you can translate their customer success as success for the client. And if they're not seeing it that way, then it's up to you to help them see it that way. Because any, anything else, and you are always going to be sort of stuck trying to deliver what could be two very different things, and neither one is a win. I was, I was interested to hear from you, how do you see technology changing your world? Um, I see technology as providing me with um, another reason not to get bored. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I try to, I, and, and I, I say this to anyone who, um, who is sort of following in my footsteps or on the same path as myself, um, that remaining creative is crucial. Um, and one of the things that I like about technology is that it's constantly reinventing the sandbox that uh, creative ideas get born in. So um, I think as a, as a way to help one stay fresh and come up with new ideas and to stay in touch with the ways in which learners want to get their, get their training, uh, it's great. Um, and it also means that you have more options when it comes to solving their uh, when it comes to creating business solutions to solve their issue. So for example, um, you in, if you look back 20 years ago or even 10 years ago and you compare it with today, if you were to identify a need uh, for just-in-time training mm -hmm. for a particular learning group, um, one of your big issues 20 or 10 years ago might be how do we get the training to them, right? Um, they might have to travel. Um, you might have to figure out how to package up, you know, 200 copies of a 300 page binder and, you know, <laughs> mail it, uh, you know, those kinds of things. And nowadays, obviously connecting with people is what technology does best. So, uh, that's a solution right there, you know, right. the ability to get it in their hands. And then of course you, if you, you know, the, cha the flip side of that coin is the challenge of, so what technology are they using? You know, how can you align your technology with their technology? You know, right. that's a wide open, you know, there's all kinds of variables in that uh, space. So uh, for those of us in a learning profession, 
we see technology as great. Um, how do you think your, your learner population sees it? I think for the most part, my learning population is uh, technology ambivalent. In other words, if okay. they're using technology and I happen to make it possible for them to get what they need via that technology, well, that's convenient, but they don't necessarily look at that as their top priority. Um, and I think that that is something that's really important to remember. It's You can get really caught up in the bells and whistles. You can get caught up in what if I could do dot, dot, dot. But ultimately, it always comes back to uh, whatever solution you come up with, giving them the um, motive, means, and opportunity to to learn uh, and to change whatever they need to change. You you mentioned, and I thought it was <clears throat> very profound. You mentioned that when someone wants to learn something, when someone wants or needs to get the information, they'll move heaven and earth. And if you give it give them the opportunity, the means, the mode, um, in an inconvenient way, it won't matter because they still want it. They, they will work hard to get it. But it's those challenges when you're trying to help enable a population that doesn't really want to change or doesn't really want to. How do you address those kinds of challenges? So I would say that for the most part, my, my experience says to me that it's not the issue the obstacle is not that uh your client doesn't want to change uh or that the client doesn't want to learn it's just that they are focused on what's important to them mm -hmm. so whatever solution you come up with has to be an obvious fit it has to be something that they look at and think oh if i had had the time to help myself figure this out this is what i would have done so trying to understand your customer, understand what their process is without inserting training into that process, and then see how whatever solution you come up with can better align with their, their, what they're doing already. Um, that's when I think you're on the road to success. Um, so I think that's important. It's important to remember. I mean, I think a lot of conversations happen in conference rooms these days about you know, what my customer wants versus what they don't want, what I want, what we're willing to do, etc. And really, that's noise. I think that boils down to noise. Ultimately, if you if you've come up with the right solution, it's going to be something that your customer uses almost despite themselves, because it's just stupid not to, you know, and that's how they see it. So when you're out of answers, or you're really struggling with something uh, where do you personally go for inspiration? Do you consult colleagues? Do you go for the long wall? Where, where's the well <laughs> that you draw on when you've got to pull things together? Uh, well, I mentioned before how important it is in this uh, business to stay creative and to give yeah. yourself the opportunity to be creative. And creativity takes practice. <clears throat> so uh, I find I try to give myself the opportunity to get my creativity wherever it organically springs up for me. So that well you talk about, that well could be a conversation I have with uh, a managing director about um, a new initiative. It may not have anything to do with a, uh, an identified learning need at that point, but uh, the something about that conversation, having that conversation gives me a high level look at maybe the bigger picture. Um, and 
high level looks of big pictures are very, I think they're really inspiring. They, they allow you to come up with all kinds of individual use cases in your imagination as to how that might affect lots of people. Um, so don't be afraid to step outside what you think of as your comfort zone with regards to who you're talking to and what you're talking about, because you may find that high level look is a really, you know, very inspiring on a much more granular technical level. Um, I subscribe to a magazine. I am in no way affiliated with this magazine, but I, I think it's a great magazine and it's very, it's full of lots of great information um, from a technical standpoint. And that's Web Designer. Um, you can go to webdesigner.co.uk. Uh, it's made in the, in the UK. I subscribe and get it uh, in print form. And it's just chuck full of tech, technology and technical and uh, language and code solutions. Lots of tutorials, lots of examples. And because it's not limited to learning per se, because it just it really is a scattershot of things that people all over the world are doing to help reach people via the web, um, I think that's really helpful. Another great resource, and I know somewhere in there we were going to talk about resources, but uh, BlueFX is a great company that provides uh, templates, templates in all different types of software. Um, one of the one of my favorites is uh, uh, Adobe's um, After Effects. Now I'm not good at After Effects. <laughs> um, most of the Adobe products, you know, you could spend a really long time focusing on nothing but them, and you know, and still have only scratched the surface. They're just that powerful. Um, but if you can look at a template that a company like Blue Effects has put together and see how easy they've made it for you to modify it to your purposes. The great thing about it is that you get to get you get in front of your customers imagery and um, stories in uh, um, a, a pictorial language or a visual and audio audio language that they are not that they haven't been saturated with, uh, which always sparks you know learning sparks their interest that sort of thing. So those are some of the ways going to conferences. Later today, I'm flying to Vegas to go to the DevLearn conference in Las Vegas, um, and uh, I to be just to be surrounded by people mm. in this that industry for three days is going to be great. Yeah, what are you most excited about uh, wa watching out for the technology space, either through that conference or anything else that you know about in technology? What are you most thrilled about right now? Um. Well, what thrills me in the technology space, um, I think, I think you, figuring out how to use new technologies in ways that maybe they weren't necessarily intended for. Um, as an example, one of the one of the challenges I had earlier this year uh, involved uh, providing uh, some training on a, a web application. This is a system whose functions my customers were very familiar with, but now the way they were going to have to perform tasks using the the newly redesigned application was very different. Um, so they, they, didn't need, they didn't need training on why they were going to perform these tasks. They already knew they needed to. They just needed to know how to use the new interface. So I used Adobe Captivate to create what was essentially, it, in, it looks and feels like I had a web developer create a prototype of the entire web application, you know, with code. But instead, it basically uses overlays, sort of like a flip it book, okay, where you, you know, flip the corner and you can see the picture change. Well, where you happen to move your mouse on any given image takes you somewhere. 
but it's seamless. You don't even know you've gone anywhere um, because it's seamless, but it feels like you're in this new environment. So creating new environments um, using technology, I think is a one way you might summarize that. I think we have the opportunity to create all kinds of learning environments with technology and finding any tool that helps you do that, I think is exciting. Um, you described yourself as a, as a learning consultant and you mentioned when you were talking about the well, you talked about um, having conversations with executives. I'm, I'm fascinated to know how do you take what the business says, this is where I need help, and translate business requirements or where the business is going into learning requirements and a, and a learning plan for the audience? Um, that's a great question. Um, and it, it aligns with something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Uh, and when I looked at the title of today's program, um, uh, communications, uh, and technology learning and communications, um, I'm finding synergies there that I never really, I, I didn't think about five years ago. Um, so let's say for example, that I'm having a conversation with this hypothetical executive and they're talking to me about uh, a new initiative. And um, in the corporate world, um, you know, it's very rare that an initiative is announced once. Essentially, an initiative gets announced over and over and over again because it's important to get the buy-in of everyone involved. And usually there's going to be lots of different areas involved, departments, uh, specialties, etc. So they may be focused on the details of the initiative and the requirements to getting it accomplished. What I sometimes am able to do is help them understand how that communication, how that announcement will be interpreted and be acted. Bad language, it's before 11. Um, <laughs> can be acted upon by those that they are presenting the information to. Okay. Um, and that comes right back to, you guessed it, what does the learner need? You know? Right. So uh, I, think it's, uh, I think it's really just a question of turning the question on its head you know, and helping, helping them realize that everyone in the business, uh, no matter at what point they touch this new initiative, um, is essentially a learner and potentially uh, an advocate for, and that's what everybody wants. You know, you want a company full of adv advocates for your initiative. And if, if you had that, then you almost have to stop. You, you get to stop thinking about how it's going to get done because it'll just get done. Right. Right. It's all about messaging and marketing and communications, all those different disciplines being woven together. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, we got to have you back, man. Speaking of a well, I, I get the sense this is a very deep and broad one to draw from. We got to have you back. I think we could talk about all kinds of, of topics. Malou, you must have a, a blast working with this guy, huh? <laughs> We're trying. <laughs> no, no, you got to be beaming with pride to have a you know a working relationship with 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 these folks. We're going to have you back, uh, and we're going to come back through uh, New York and do yeah, this. And, this is too much it, fun. It's really exciting, James, that you pass by on your way to the airport, <laughs> which is not an easy thing to do uh, around here. And um, I, I I still want to ask the question: What's your advice to? aspiring thank you uh folks who want to become you one day yep 
Oh gosh. What I a think, great question. Yep. <laughs> on on my way here this morning, uh, I took a path train and I took a subway and then I sort of wandered around inside Grand Central while, while I tried to figure out which exit led to park. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about that question and it's a really long list um, of things you could say to somebody to help them. Um, so I'll try to narrow it down to a couple of, uh, couple of things. Um, one is um, never be afraid to prototype. If you have a passionate uh, belief in a new type of learning solution, don't be afraid to prototype. Don't, don't always, if it's just a question of getting an idea in front of someone else who's gonna be in a position to help you make it, you know, see the light of day, um, don't necessarily ask permission before you take the time to do it. If you need to, do it on your own. Use whatever resources you can get your hands on. I, you know, I was I was looking at Amazon for weeks, waiting for a sale on a portable green screen. Uh, you know, figuring out what cameras were going to do what I needed to do, and this is all related to video. Um, until I could, you know, put together what I needed to give someone a convincing demo. That demonstration, that is eighty percent of seeing uh, a project to success. You know, the fact, A, that you're willing to commit to it that much to show someone in a position to say yay or nay that, you know, you've gone out and done this on your own just so you could show them the idea, that 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 means a lot. You so know? stop talking, just do it. Yeah, right? just, just <laughs> which I almost never do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, that's, so that's one piece of advice. Don't be afraid to prototype. And, uh, and the second is, um, don't look for synergy. Um, I think what makes training unexpectedly compelling to people all across the industry, you know, in any line of work is all the ways in which it intersects with what they do. So it's, you know, try to figure out ways that you can sort of get that message across that learning is not in a box. Learning is everything. Learning really touches everything. So look for synergistic ways to get that message out. And finally, remember that if you're in it for the long haul and learning is a really easy career to get into for the long haul because it's constantly changing and innovating and interesting, um, figure out what inspires you and then make sure you give yourself the opportunities to get inspired. You know, don't let yourself fall into a rut. You know, whatever that, whatever that outlet is, whatever that well that you speak of is, make sure you're constantly dipping from it. Well, it has been an absolute delight having you come by today. Malou, thank you so much for coordinating this. Uh, Holly, this is fun. I like working with you. Absolutely. This is, I, I don't even think we can we can call it work. So uh, all kidding aside, we're going to do this again. That when sounds we great. we come back through town, we're going we're gonna to set this up, and we're going to dive into all kinds of topics. I can't wait. All yeah. right. <laughs> Until next time, this is Stone Payton for Holly Payton, Malou Schloss, and our guest today, James Gilchrist, and everyone here at the Business Radio X family and the good folks at Training Pros. We'll see you next time on Learning Insights. This has been a special Business Radio X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.